Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's, um, I guess, Tuesday morning. And um, I want to use the time I have now to do the Parsha. Uh, just finished with ladies' class, so mine is still fresh. I'm happy to say that today we have a sponsor. Today's um, Parsha podcast is being sponsored by my friends, the Pollocks from Columbus, Ohio. Columbus and Baltimore, I should say. This is Dr. Paul Pollock, who's doing something for something, a really special anniversary. Listen to this. I'd like This is what he writes. I would like to dedicate this in honor of my wife, that's Kathy, um, who has reached the 50th anniversary as a pediatric nurse. Isn't that something? 50th as a pediatric nurse. Wow. i tell you the truth. I didn't even know that she was like that. Um, and during this time, she has been a tireless advocate for her patients, I'm sure of that, and has shown boundless devotion and compassion, as well as consummate skill in the care of her children and their parents. It's a reflection of the caring, love, and chesed she extends to everyone she meets. I think that's true. So uh, that's quite that's quite an occasion. Fifty years of the pediatric nurse. That's a half century. Oh my lord. Um, anyway, Mazel Tov, and uh, thank you. I'm glad to uh, be able to vote today's uh, talk in honor of such an occasion. That's a nice occasion. That's a nice occasion. Okay, <clears throat> we're looking at Parshas Ray, which is the fourth part. Of the long speech of Moses, this rhetorical uh, exercise, this long business. Now, I'll tell you what my attention was call- drawn to when I opened the Chumash this morning with Ari Kaplan, who I like, and uh, <clears throat> something jumped out at me. I may have spoken about pizza of this in the past, but I'll tell you what I'm thinking today. And that is, the Pesukim are not actually easy to translate if you want to go by Pashup Shot. If you know your basic Hebrew, you'll understand what I mean. Because it says... That's easy enough. I'm giving you today a blessing and a curse. Answer, bracha. What's the bracha? That doesn't make sense in Hebrew, unless you translate asher as im. So if you say the bracha is, if you listen to the, the words of the Lord, which I command you today. But you don't say what the bracha is. Okay, so maybe it's coming later. But it's a little bit weird. I'm giving you a bracha and a klala. The bracha, blessing, I mean, it should say something along the lines, if you listen to the words of the Lord, you get bracha, parnosa, atzlocha, and so on and so forth. Don't say that. Esa bracha, asher Now, you could be a frummy and give a homiletical interpretation. You say, the etzim listening to the mitzvah is the bracha. Eh, come on, that's not what the people want to hear. They want to hear what they're going to get out of it. And then the next one is even more. These are something we read all the time. We probably know him by heart, many of us. <clears throat> and yet, if you sit down and you analyze it, and you say, just as a matter of plain read Hebrew, it's not exactly the way we would write it today. Fahaklola in Pusik 28. Um, that should be the end of it. Fahaklola in Losimshul. So, notice the bracha is Asher Tishmul. If you listen, you'll get the blessing. And if you don't listen, you'll get the curse. That's pretty. 
straightforward black and white and so forth. Right? Don't you agree? I mean, that would do the trick as far as I'm concerned. That that, that should work. Um, but that's not what the Pasuk reads. Open the Chumash and you'll see. And go off the derech. I believe this might be the original OTD. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think this is the first reference to, to the expression we have today. He went off the derech. So Moshe made him 3,300 years ago. It's warning about OTD. But wait a minute. Why you throw that in? It should just say, you won't listen and you'll go off to Derech. And a third clause, you go after other gods. What's that got to do with anything? Meaning, let me explain. Why don't you simply say this? If you don't listen to the mitzvahs, that's a claw. You and I, you and I. Let's say you don't keep shops or something like that. Or you're, you you're derelict or something like that. You don't get a bracha. You don't get a bracha. So you listen. <clears throat> I'm not saying you do bashogi. You know, let's say somebody does amazing. <clears throat> There's a call. What do you have to tell me? Sartim <clears throat> The person I just described went ahead and violated the Isser, let's say, for example, of Lashon Hara. Hakola imlo sishmol mitzvah You knew you shouldn't say Lashon Hara. You did it anyway. I'm just pointing out even the so-called from do a lot of sins, right? Unless you're one of those people who never said Lush and hard, in which case, raise your hand, I want to see who the liars are, right? The Torah says you shouldn't be jealous. Here's a hundred things. <clears throat> Look in any muster book. <clears throat> then everybody does. They shouldn't, but they do, right? Um, a hundred things. So why does it say, <laughs> You don't have to go off the derech. Off the derech means you stop shaking. You be Shabbos, kashros, tarsh mishpacha. You know, as we would say today. And then he goes on to say, to go after other gods. Wait a minute, that's not called lo sishma mitzvah sishem lekechel. That's already going for another religion. That's a mishumet or something. Do you see my point? This sentence, even though it sounds nice rhetorically, but it's like arguably. It's it, you know it's like a non sequitur, unless you say no, it is a sequitur. <clears throat> then you have to give a, a a sophisticated interpretation, which you find among some Farshim, in which case you say that Moses is describing a slippery slope. But if that's so, why is he doing it over here? What do I mean, slippery slope? A leads to B, B leads to C. You start by saying lo sishmu lo shemel but then that eventually leads to besartim and aderich. And then eventually these to modern commentators, not surprisingly, you know, are more into that sort of thing. You know, Hirsch, uh, Hoffman, those kind of people. You know, it's, uh, because we see it in nowadays, you know. <clears throat> but, uh, and it, by the way, it's an interesting point. You know, I mean, there is truth to that. One of the things that happened, everybody went off the modern, in the modern times where everybody came down from, they started Asher Lo Sishmu, they eventually went to Vesartim and and unfortunately, many people end up converting into marrying whatever. Assuming that is other religions. Right? Assuming that. Um, <clears throat> which doesn't have to be the assumption, but that's what it is. So then you're saying that Moshe being very eloquent 
And whereas in the first passage, when he talks about the bracha, he does not go into detail, I don't know why. I mean, if you tell me, Avera, Goreas, Avera, you should also tell me, Mitzvah, Goreas, Mitzvah. And Moshe Rabbeinu should be speaking in a nice way alongside the other way, because he just said, I'm giving you a bracha and a klal. So bracha is A and klal is B. One's a positive, one's a negative. Why are you accenting the, the, the negative? You understand? These are just basic push of shot questions that thrust themselves, if you think about it for a minute, in my opinion, as I see it. And then, on top of that, Vosepis, Loleches Achreel, Himachrim Ashiloyidatel. What do you mean Ashiloyidatel? If you just say, Loleches Achreel, Himachrim, that's usually what it says in the Chumash. You go after other guys. What do you mean Ashiloyidatel? Now, you could be technical to me and say that Moshe Abenu is talking about the younger generation. They grew up 40 years in the desert. They didn't worship idols back in Egypt. Therefore, it's Loleidatel. That's, that's a nice word. That would be what I would call some kind of a Shadal type of word, you know. But uh, really, what is it all about? Ashiloyidatem. It's in the Chomish, it's got to be for a reason. So the Ari, I see but Ari Kaplan says something which is a fascinating translation. And he says, I'm going to read you translations. Vaklola Ashiloyidatem, he translates as follows. The curse will come. <clears throat> That's what he puts in brackets. Because it just doesn't say is the claw is whatever it is. The curse will come if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God and you go astray from the paths I'm leading you. I'm prescribing for you today. Go off to Derek. Listen to this. Following other gods to have a novel spiritual experience. That's cool. Leleches achrei Elohim achirim asher lo yidatem. Elohim achirim asher lo yidatem. Obviously not Elohim Achrim, right? Ashaloyidaten, that you did not know. So he's not translating it in a simple way that gods with whom you, <coughs> whose religion you're not familiar. That actually would come later in Re'eh. Isn't that something? But he's talking about something else, which is Ashaloyidaten, Yodea. What is for a religious person, Yodea? Yodea Elohim, Yodea Elohim. <coughs> a Yodea Elohim is either a Maimonidean, right? Who's using philosophy to understand God. Or else, he's not from, is Yodea Elohim. That's that he wants to know intimately other gods. It's a novel spiritual experience, which I'm looking at the Arya Kaplan notes. And he says, novel spiritual experience. Literally, you have not known, El Himachirim, Ashalidatem, to know God is interpreted as knowing him in a mystical sense, especially among the Kabbalists. <coughs> That's totally cool. El Himachirim, Ashalidatem, in the Dvekis kind of way of Avodah Why would somebody do that? Apparently, Moshe is afraid of that. He certainly is afraid of that in Parshish Re, because he reverts to that thing later on. I'm afraid they discover new religions. And the novelty of itself will be attractive to you because you find Judaism boring. That's how I understand it means. You'll find Judaism boring. Which it certainly can be. Religion can be anything. Judaism can be boring. I don't say it is boring. It depends how you take it, but it can be. And this is why new things pop up. And he's looking for it. Now this is so Arya Kaplan's ridiculous in my mind. Because Arya Kaplan, of course, is a child of the 60s. You're old enough to remember the 60s? All this new stuff, newbie booby stuff, and 
this is the beginning of the Jewish youth. For the last almost 60 years now, 55, 60 years now, going for the Indian religions, the uh, Asian religions, and all the, the, the Swami, Pahami business, and so forth, is a ton. We all know this. I think most of the kids at Woodstock were Jewish, I think. Right? Uh, and they dominated all these other kind of um, things. I bet you if you went to the YouTube now and looked up, you know, India religion or Nepal or something like that, is a Jew, you know, with a with a with a pushy cushy name. After all, the Chabad are not stupid. Where do they set up the Chabad house in Nepal in India? Where did all the Israeli soldiers go after they get out of the army to the east? Some are looking for this and that, and some are looking for spirituality. Ah, why can't you find a Judaism? The way they see it, Judaism is a turn off. They're not spiritual. They ain't interested in the Haredim. And there's nothing spiritual to them about learning Baba Kama and, you know, having to dress in a certain way and all the rest of it is a turnoff. They're, they're voting with their legs. To me, it's remarkable. I'm just very inter I'm speaking now sociologically. History will, history will record. Then the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s and the 2010s, and now we're starting the 2020s. The Jewish youth in Israel, after they finished with the army, have voted with their feet. And the best and the brightest of them, I'm sorry to say, have gone to Nepal and all this other junk looking for the Swami and the Hami and the this and that and the other, or Tibet, or whatever. Listen, I'm sure you've heard this before. There's a fair number of Jews who are Baal Shubas today because they went to the Dalai Lama and he said, I want to learn Dalai Lama. And he told them, why don't you start with Judaism? I, I mean, I know one or two people like that. And there are more than those. You get it? That's pretty bad. That the head of the Vodazara had to say, before you look for my religion, try your own. And, they, and the people I'm talking about did. And, you know, and, and discovered Judaism became from. But for every one of those, there's 10 who say, no, 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 I'm not interested in Judaism. Judaism's a bummer. It's a turnoff. I'm interested in Tibet. Or whatever you got, the, you know, Buddha, Shmuva, whatever it is. You know, all the various Asiatic uh, type of religions. This is a historic fact. Even if it changed tomorrow... And everybody decided, instead of going to Asia, I'm going to Bnei Brak. Even if that changed tomorrow, which it's not, history will record for a whole generation or two, for many decades, the Jewish youth were not going there. They were looking for something else. They were looking for Elohim, Achimim, They were looking to have a novel spiritual experience, or to be perfectly honest, they were looking to have a spiritual experience, which they did not find over there. Now, this is a 60s thing. I had Kaplan's writing for 60s angle. And I'm sure when he came up with this interpretation, which to me is fascinating. Uh, he said, this is it. You know, they're looking for Yodea. Yodea in the sense of intimate knowledge. I'm sure you know, many of you, that the Rambam says the sexual matters are disgusting. It's from Aristotle. Aristotle says, you know, we have different senses. The worst, most animalistic sense is the touch. And sex has to do with that. Um... And it's very bad. I mean, you got to do it. You got to go to the bathroom also. But you know, that's what Rambam says. That's his words. And Ramban famously says, "No, you're uh, corrupted by Aristotle and the Greek stuff, and the Jewish religion considers all holy." And what you consider to be, you know, from the Aristotle point of view, um, intellectuality is the highest madriga. And he said, "No, in Judaism, the Torah says, Ha'adam yadas You know, the idea is the word we use for sexuality properly practiced. In which case, is a high level. Spiritual experience. Um, you know that. So that's what he's taking over here. You might want to, don't go after other gods with whom you haven't intimately engaged 
and you're looking for a religious experience which involves intimate engagement, and you're not finding it in Judaism. Now, this is fascinating, because here's Moshe Rabbeinu about to die, looking at the people that he's raised in the desert, and he knows X number of people are going to be turned on by Judaism, and X number are not going to be turned on by Judaism. It's not so hard to understand, especially when he's talking about the fact in this parsha that there's going to be eventually a time, the peak time, is when you cannot offer your own carbonas. He speaks over here in our parsha, I forget the language, but you'll know it, about eventually setting up a base of Migdash. Correct? And Basar Taiva, that you can eat outside the base of Migdash, and so on and so forth. Right? You know, so, um, where is it? You know, you want to eat some of the stuff you'll eat without having to bring it. Let me put it this way. In the Mishkan, I mean, in the desert, they had to bring... You know this. I know you know this. In the desert, they only had to eat everything after it was uh, shafted by the coin. Now you're going to be... Now, now you're going to Israel, so it's not going to be like that. It'll be decentralized. Well, let me say this. When There will now start a period of the Bomos, which is a finite period. And then the Bomos are gone forever. So as it happened, when the Jews entered Israel... Hutra Bamos. So let me say, for example, um, let me say, for example, I lived in Reuven, Shimon, Levi, you know, in one of the, the, the tribes for the period of the Shoftim. Let's just say that, which is hundreds of years. Okay, so my name is Katz. We have the Katz Bama. And when there's a Bar Mitzvah, there was a wedding, or any significant occasion, we're stopping if we're in a penitential mood. Maybe the week before Yom Kippur, the family get together and have a carbon. A carbon would be a combination, and I'm, I do not mean this to be funny. Carbon would be a combination of a barbecue on the one hand, but more than stamazoya barbecue on the other hand. Not one of these, uh, you know, kiddish rishon type things, or now I hear they have a thing, tewa meho, all those other kind of food orgies. No, it's going to be a carbon, it's going to be a spiritual thing. I guess when they pour the blood out or whatever the, the system was, that's where you got your kedusha from. The, the the Jewish part, and uh, people may have found it spiritualizing. What I mean to say is like this: maybe when the people of Ruben, I, I'm I don't, I'm guessing, maybe when the people of Ruvain did their carbonus, they invoked their memory of Ruvain. This was like as eighty Ruvain did this, or the people from Yehuda, or the people from Yisachar is willing and all that, and it had you know a certain attraction because I'm doing the carbon, not you. The 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 head of the family, whoever it is. If it was my family, I'd give it to the kids because I'd make a mess. And um, there's just something personalizing about it. But we know, you know this, that the ultimate goal was to build a base of Migdash. L'shichno sidrushu uvasa shama, v'avesim sham es olaseichem es zivchichem, as Moshe Rabbeinu says in Tavar. Then eventually you're supposed to go and have a base of Migdash. And then the bombers are over. So where do I get my spirituality? If the Carbonus world was the way of dominating once upon a time, which you know it was, where did I get my spirituality? By going once a year, three times a year, to, assuming I do, to the base of Migdash? That doesn't work for me, you know? That's not enough. He said, oh, you come there, you see the splendor of the whole occasion. You know, to go to a Rebbe's court once a year is interesting. I, I need more than that. I need more often than that. Uh, that's just regular. Now, not everybody. Some people... I think they say, Yon, if I'm not mistaken, 
He once saw the base of Mishi, but still, but Geistered, they became a Navi. Isn't that what it says somewhere? You know, yeah, there's some people like that, if you build yourself up beforehand. But, but, if you, um, a regular person, it's a turnoff. The women, definitely a turnoff. The women don't go to base of Mishi much. I mean, do you realize if someone's a Nita, they don't do a Karm Pesach, they can't do a Karm Pesach. It's, it's very complicated. And so, you see over here, I'm going to look for a novel spiritual experience, something that I can connect with. Maybe it's Baal, maybe it's Asherah, or maybe it's a kind of Jewish idol, or something like that more likely, the syncretism I spoke about in the past, which at least I can have a cashier with. I mean, I can understand that, so can you. Speaking sociologically over here, in social psychology, it makes sense. And Moshe Rabbeinu is warning about this because it's a slippery path. <laughs> right? But you're saying, no. I know this God, the God of the Hebrews. That's a God I don't have you deal with. It's beyond me. That's the way this guy lives it, or this girl. But the, I heard the Baal and the Asherah and the Moloch and who knows what. Those are gods you can be your dad. Because they're physical. They're up front. They have their rituals, whatever they do. It's Mosheikh. You understand? And Moshe Bey is afraid of this. Uh, he speaks more specifically about it later in the Parsha. It's a little, you know, it jumps around. I think it's fascinating. Where he says... Um, and, yeah, he says... Eventually... You know, you're going to um, not be allowed to do carbons everywhere. I mean, it says in this week's Parsha, I see it. It's so fine. Now, here we go. By Shlishi. This is Moshe Rabbeinu's farewell speech. He says, let's assume that you mamish wipe out the Goyim, which they didn't do. But let's assume you did that. Let's say you do the job right, and you either kill or expel all the Canaanites, the Canaanite, the Mori, Prisi, etc. I know they didn't do it, but let's say you did it. Take her to the land you settled there. Sounds like you're doing everything great. So then, that'd be the best scenario. In other words, you and I would say like this, yeah, if only, if only, if only. The problem is they didn't get rid of the Arabs, they didn't get rid of all the Gaim. They stayed there, exercised a pernicious spiritual influence and whatever on the Jews, which is true. And therefore, the whole bias recent period, the whole period of the biblical era, was a failure. And that's a plain way of translating it. Because they failed to expel everybody. Here, Moshe Ben is dressing something else. Even if you get rid of all these people, but the gods will remain behind the physical stuff. You might stumble, fall into a trap, a mokesh, even if you wipe them all out. There are none of them around, but the idols are around. And you'll start to get interested in Elohim. Now, when I say Elohim, I don't mean the physical statues, but the deities that they represent. What were the religious practices of these guys? I'm going to check it out myself. Okay? So look how he translates over here. 
I don't have Rashi in front of me. What does Rashi say? Well, I'm not going to look it up. Do not do this to the Lord your God. What does that mean? Do not worship God with idolatrous practices. That, my friends, is the, as far as I can think, that is the Pusik forbidding the golden calf. Which means Moshe had to get to 40 years later to get around to it. That's what I always say. What did they do wrong with making a golden calf? And there was also too much later. Unless I'm overlooking something, you can write to me. Uh, here, Hashem is saying, don't worship God with idolatrous practices. Assuming that the golden calf, in their mind, they goes up, like the Ramban, you know, was, uh, they meant Hashem. So they made a statue of Hashem. Now, I get it was wrong, and I spoke about this in the past, but what exactly was so wrong with it? Meaning, it's not like they were unfaithful and worshipped a different God, and they say, I don't believe in Hashem, I believe in something else, in Zeus or whatever. It's not like that at all. This is the Jewish God. We want to represent him. We want a physical representation. There's no question by the Pesel Micha, that's what happened. Read up the Pesel Micha, that's exactly what happened. They thought, it's a statue of Hashem. What's the problem? Here, in Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, Don't do to God the way they worship their gods. This is very interesting. So Moshe Rabbeinu is worried over here. You're looking for a novel spiritual experience, like we said before. And the guy said like this, Shachris Menchemarev is a bummer. Carbon Ola, Carbon Chatas, Karn Shlom is a bummer. Especially when it's the calling doing, I'm just watching. Shemitah, this stuff is a turn off. But on the other hand, I want to be a good Jew. And I'm the tribe of Zulun and Aftali. So you want to know something? The modes of worship that are prescribed in the Chumash. Pesach, Shuasukas, as they say, Karbonas, Tomatara, I find I turn off. But you want to know something? What if I introduce a Judaism? Is, let's say, for example, a human sacrifice or something like that, whatever it is, right? To me, to be a turn on, that would excite me. That would bring something out. Ah, you say it makes no sense. By modern times, it makes no sense. But, you know, in the ancient times, all the religions were into that stuff. And I'm right because Moshe Rabbeinu has to warn him specifically in the Chumash about this. He says, because they were into human sacrifice, and it so happens that Hashem hates it. Tovas Hashem Asher Tzonei. That's a strong language. Tovas Hashem Asher Tzonei. That's a toeva and a sneer. That means God really, really dislikes this. Now the person is like, what's wrong? I want to worship Hashem. I say it again. Not Baal, not Asherah, you know, not Molech, not Baal Peor, but I want to take their practices, use them for Akash Baruch What's the problem with that? So Moshe doesn't say the problem is you're not allowed to introduce other practices. It's that the practices of the lands where you're going in, because this is talking about the Canaanite and the murder, the Canaanite practices were objectionable per se. Right? Canaanite practices. Because the Canaanite practices included human sacrifice and stuff like that. And that is 12 us Hashem So you can't appease God, make him feel good by doing something he hates. Which is just interesting. It doesn't say over there, you cannot introduce into Judaism modes of practice from other religions or something like that. Which is which is interesting. Right? 
Don't say you can't copy Egyptianism. Uh, who is it, that from guy? Uh, Professor Berman. I've seen some stuff from him where he wants to make the case that Mishkan was some kind of a, a Egyptian-type architecture or whatever. Could be. You know, I mean, I don't know, but could be. Here is talking about Kenani and Murray. <laughs> When you're talking about the Canaanites. And the Canaanite practices are, are in and of themselves terrible. There's never been a Judaism that doesn't pick up something from the Goyim. You think the Yekas got their music just from the Yekas? You think the Sephardim got their music just from the Zikh, from the Sephardim? They picked it up from the Germans, from the Arabs, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I know that. There's never been a Jewish art. Never been a Jewish architecture. They pick it up from the Goyim and they just modify it a little bit. That's what we are. The Jews have never in their history, as far as I know, had a distinctive Jewish anything except for the Torah. I know it sounds like a firming thing, but I think it's true. There's never been any kind of Jewish literature, Jewish art, architecture, plastic art, sculpture. It's all just a knockoff of what the local culture is. Get it? They're great American Jewish artists today, but there's just variations on the, on the uh, American stuff or European or wherever they live. Uh, the religion seems to be unique. Um, but that religion, that one thing that we have, has influenced the world. At this moment, in the year 2021, the world, the Western world, is in a, in a, in a rebellion mode against the what it now regards as the um, suffocating morality and strictures of what used to call the Judeo-Christian system. That's the way you touch up all the cultural vast events that are taking place nowadays, in my opinion. But be that as it may, Western civilization was composed with a heavy admixture of the Torah stuff in it, as we all know. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about and addressing, what do you do? He's not giving a good answer, by the way. What do you do to the Jew who's turned off from Judaism? Right? He just says, don't go there. It's a claw and all the rest. What do you do? Don't go for something else. So the answer has to be, you have to find something within Judaism, within the Torah, that doesn't involve Canaanite practices, Right? And doesn't involve novel spiritual experience looking for somewhere else, but find it from within Judaism. R.A. Kaplan, I remember this, it was in the 60s, and um, I think he met, if, if I remember correctly, I think he hung around Columbia University or something like that. He met this professor, Pearl Epstein. I read this long ago, and, um, and she said, all these Jewish kids, the graduates are the best and the brightest, they're going for Indian religions. You know, they're going for meditation. Uh, like I say, Buddhism, thisism, thatism. And Ari Kaplan said something along the lines, you can find all these in Jewish sources. This is why he wrote, if I remember correctly, all those books about Jewish meditation, meditation in the Bible, meditation in the Kabbalah, and all the other business. You understand? With the good intentions that a Jewish student who wants to have what I would call India kind of uh, experience, you can do it within Yiddishkeit. You know, it's not the Judaism I was raised on, because I'm older, so at that time they were more into, shall we say, the, the, the Nigla, Maimonidean type approach, more or less. Litvish is a better word, saying it. But all this stuff is within there. All these texts that have been unearthed, now published. Uh, for those that are interested in that, I'm talking about Kabbalah, which is not for everybody. I'm saying it's not for everybody. Uh, but it is for some. So as we know, if you get into a heavy business, meditation in the super way, which is an old Jewish thing, that's how you became Nevoah once upon a time, according to the Rambam and others, 
Um, if you get it in the wrong way, you end up like the Pardis. The four people went in the Pardis where three got messed up. But if you end up in, what's the right word? If you have a personal trainer, you're like, you own a diet and you have a doctor who's guiding you. So if you have, that's Hasidus. And really, you have a Rebbe who will be your original idea of Hasidus anyway in the old days. He will, so to speak, guide you. And, you know, for this Hasid, you go weiter, that Hasid, you go less. Each one according to his Teva, according to her Teva. Okay, okay. Moshe Bin has to speak in broad and general terms over here. So he's got to have brachas and claws and all the rest of it. But look what he's afraid of. He's looking afraid. Jews will be fascinated with other religions. So I would make a broad generalization in conclusion, which I think holds. And that is, if you survey the Chumash, the Bible, you kind of see there's three big temptations and stumbling blocks the Jewish people displayed. And if they're in the Chumash, that means they're existential. They're always there down until today. A, B, and C. One is the golden calf. They goes up. The worship of gold and the worship of money. That is a god to a lot of people down till today. And I don't even have to even have to expatiate on it. Indeed, there's a lot of quote, quote unquote from people. They dress the dress, they walk the walk. But they're worshiping God, the egg goes up. <laughs> like most should say, I show you that time. The intimate uh, engagement they have is with money and materiality. It's a shame, but that's how it goes. And that means that we're always warned. Watch out, be aware of the Egal Azov problem. Second problem, and that's the Jews stumbling in the desert, you know. The second problem, which is just existential, maybe it's even four, but I'll stick with three. The fourth is a Gmaraglam, but I'll leave that out. The second problem uh, is the Benos Moav. My friends, that ain't going nowhere. That's as old as Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It's as old as Benos Moav. It's around today. It'll never not be there. And that took a lot of people down, as we all know, 24,000, if not more. And that's the second big challenge. And the third one is this, is this desire for novel spiritual experience. Certainly, since the rise of modernity, since around 1800, uh, deracinated Jews, alienated Jews, meaning Jews alienated from Judaism, have been at the forefront of all the novel and new uh, stuff that's popped up in the Western culture. It's one of the reasons for anti-Semitism. It's one of my themes I do in the lectures. The Goyim said when they wanted the Jews to assimilate, back starting in the late 1700s, early 1800s, they had in mind that the Jews would be passive consumers of Goyim culture, of European culture. They didn't think it through that the Jews having brains at one point say, why should I be a consumer of somebody else's culture? I'll be a producer of Western culture. And therefore the Movers and shakers end up being yidden. They're alienated yidden. And they often cause a lot of bad ideas. But it's fascinated the world. And all these guys were They were looking for novel spiritual experience. Each one in his own way. Karl Marx, believe it or not, in his way, was looking for a novel spiritual experience. He would be angry if I used those terms. But I don't care. Really, if you know who Marx was, Einstein, Freud, I mean, you know, you name it. In their way, they were looking for a kind of spirituality. It's not identical with the classic religious orthodox spirituality. I get that. But they're looking for Yedia, to engage at a deep and intimate level in a heavy way with broad and vast universals. Uh, that's a powerful attraction. And uh, it moves and shakes even till today. So 
I think I said enough. This is a very heavy parsha, and I only talked about one strand of it. Uh, you, you, let me put it this way: Do we have this problem today? I just said we do. How, how does it manifest itself? How do people uh, deal with it? That's an interesting subject to discuss at your Shabbos table. For that, I wish you a good week. And once again, I want to thank the Parks. And that's a very nice uh, occasion. 50 years, the pediatric nurse. Um, and uh, we wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com